Hey everyone, welcome back to the first episode of In The News. I am your host, Matt, with your co-host, Dashan. We'll be talking about the Russian-Ukrainian border conflict, the COVID-19 policies, and existing inflation. Sit back and listen. Let us know in the comments what you liked and didn't like. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Alright, let's. I guess we'll start with Russia-Ukraine because it's first. Alright. Um, what do you think about it? I would say, I think... Hmm, I don't... I think it's well. Hmm. It's a, it's a difficult difficult issue because like on one hand, you could just like keep things peaceful and just let Russia do what they're doing in Ukraine. But like on the other hand, like this is kind of what happened in World War Two, where like oh we're just trying to appease them and hopefully they'll stop. And like even if they did stop after Ukraine, like just taking over like an, a sovereign independent country, like I don't know if that's something we should just let slide. So I think we should like intervene on uh, Ukraine's behalf. Hopefully, we as in, like a military response, but like we should do something to try and help them. We as in the U.S. or we as in the EU or like I mean, we? like anybody, like anybody who who poses like um, military force. Like, okay. I think probably like I think you could get a bunch of NATO people to like work on that. I don't think the UN will be any use, but like maybe NATO could do something about it. I mean, you never know. There might be a. They might surprise you for a change. Yeah, they might send them a strongly worded letter. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I don't know. For Ukraine and the Russia conflict, it's just everyone's got their motive. Like Russia, for them, they're just back up against the wall. And then for the EU and the US, they're basically since World War II, their whole mantra is not a single sovereign country can go under. And they've shown that they're very much willing to do anything to save any country they find important enough to save because uh we both know that they won't do the same for north korea or a country like that yeah I, I that's i'm concerned that i don't think they're going to do anything for ukraine because like i think i was i read something that like russia provides them with like gas or energy or something yeah and, like, i don't i don't know if ukraine's in the eu they're not, they're not in the eu right no right now they're not in the eu they're not in nato they're not in anything yeah, so really, it's, like, if, it's a non-EU Russia... country, and like Russia provides them essential resources, so like they're they're probably like leaning towards not doing anything. Yeah, right now, if Russia were to just go all in on this and just pull out the declare war in Ukraine, there'd be no on paper. There's no allies of the Ukraine that they can call into a war. It wouldn't it's be like isolationism. Uh, yeah, it's like because like if Russia were to attack a country like I don't know Estonia. They're in NATO, so they have to call. They get to call in all of NATO, but Ukraine ain't like that. So they're all on their own, and that's probably why Russia's attacking them first, because they see that uh, Ukraine's basically the last, the last country to pick a side. Because Belarus is already there with Russia. You can't really explain it otherwise, because they're with Russia. But all the Baltic states, they've sided with the EU, Poland, all of Eastern Europe, and the Balkans are pretty much in the EU's pocket. And the Ukraine's the last message of sort of can go either way. And Putin's really trying hard to make sure it falls into Russia's column. Yeah, this is the main problem with anarchy, I think. Because, like, whenever people talk about it, they're always like, oh, we got to have some really small communes. And they can all do their own thing. But, like, the problem with that is all it takes is, like, one powerful country to, like, come in and attack. Uh-huh. And you wouldn't be able to stop them. <laughs> right. Because, like, if have, become... you don't have any, like... Um, allies or at least cooperation with, with other communes that are powerful enough to stop the invasion, like you wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> you just have to no, sit yeah. there and take it. Yeah, you just have to Ukraine. Yeah, and then it also means, you know, for like the 
countries down in the Caucasus, like Georgia, like I know they're right up, they're second place right after Ukraine on Russia's hit list. Yeah, they're probably going to go for all those like former um, USSR countries that are like kind of aligned with where Russia is. Yeah. Like as long as they don't have any external allies, they can just go and do whatever they want. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, the only hope is that maybe like us or some other country will do something. Like, I don't think anybody besides us, maybe China, would be powerful enough to stop them. Yeah. Like, why would well, China I, do that? Well, I don't know about powerful enough, but just have the willpower. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't see many Americans jumping head over heels to go fight a war in Kiev. Yeah, I don't. This has been in the news for like a couple months now. I've I haven't seen any like reaction from people about it. Yeah, it's they're just reporting on it, but they're not really building like any support. Like we gotta save Ukraine or anything like that. If anything, it makes a larger reaction for Taiwan than for uh, Ukraine. Right. It's if anything, it's more of just been playing the this is how Russia just is, and we just we just gotta deal with it type of mentality. Yeah, I think which is kind of true. Probably the problem the problem is for them is like Ukraine has no strategic importance to us. Like we have tons of bases in the, the uh, Europe already, like in Germany, right. France, and then like in in uh, Asia, Taiwan and Japan and South Korea. Those are our vestiges there. Like Ukraine doesn't really have any military importance to us. So like if we were to if we were to like help them out, it'd be like totally out of our own heart. Like, right. I don't know. Maybe like we just felt like being nice that one day we'd go help them out. And like there's no military strategies um, going over there and stopping it. Right, other than containing Russia, but at this point in time, there's no real, there's no real motive to do that right now. China's the big enemy of the U.S. Oh yeah, definitely. So for the U.S., it's more of just more of the old, like just sticking into that cold, cold war mentality of containing Russia, when really Russia has been reduced to a regional power. Yeah, I think honestly, like like you said before, China's a real threat now. Like I think it would be in our interest to like work with them more. To try and counter China, yeah, it's but it's unfortunate that Ukraine is probably going to fall because of it. But like that's the problem with being isolationist in the twenty first century, right? Or really, any time period because like most countries that that don't don't have any allies are usually going to fall to something. Yeah, well, the whole thing about Ukraine isolationist is more because of the situation than by choice because they definitely want to join the EU and NATO, but they know the yeah. second they do that, Russia would storm in, storm the gates. <laughs> And kick out the EU and NATO before they even have the papers signed. I think the process, I, I was, I read somewhere that the process against the EU was like, a, it takes a really long time. Like you have to be verified as like a, oh, yeah. a democracy and then you have to meet economic standards and you can't lie about them like Greece does. <laughs> yeah, just look at how long it takes for the Balkans. It took them, what, years and years of process and process. Uh, all the busy work and the paperwork back in Brussels. Oh, I just, I can't say I'm jealous. I really can't. It must be easier to get, I think it would probably be easier to get into NATO, right? Because, like, it's just a military alliance. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, do they have, I don't think they have any requirements to be, like, a democracy and all that. Because there's, like, um, I think we gotta have, I think there's a couple of dictators in the alliance, aren't there? Dictators in NATO? Oh, you're gonna have to show me that one. I can't think. I think, or at least, I don't think there's, like, full democracies, I think. Let me look this up. Uh, I don't know. I can't, no, no. Is it? I don't think they require it, but... Yeah, they don't require it to be a democracy, but they def it's definitely frowned upon. They're not going to let Lukashenko into NATO, I, I promise you that one. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Though. Like, like, I don't <laughs> think you, you probably get hampered. As long as you're, like, not opposed to, like, Western uh, allegiances, I don't think you get hampered up if you weren't a full democracy. Yeah, I think uh, as long as all the member states approve you joining, you can get in. I know that's, yeah, that's the main problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the main problem. You got to get everybody to agree. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. You find anything? I thought it's tur- turkeys. Is turkey a dictatorship? <laughs> that's a thing. It depends who you ask. Yeah, that's what I, I, I'm, I was, that's what I was thinking of. I have no idea. I've heard things from both sides on it. Yeah, it depends who you ask. <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Erdogan would very much disagree that it's not a dictatorship. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> there's uh, also those COVID policies down in Australia. Oh, my God. Australia is insane. Right. Like everything that comes out of there just gets worse and worse. Wow, man. I got some family down there. I haven't heard from them in months. Wow. So I definitely got to check in on them. That sucks. But, no, yeah, everything that's coming out of there is just horrible. It just, it really makes the best case for why we have a Second Amendment here in the U.S. For when stuff like that happens. Yeah, Um. honestly, like, when I first saw the reports of what was happening, I thought it was one of those, like, Babylon B things where it's, like, a meme. Right. It's like, oh, this, this is like it's just a joke. This isn't actually happening. But like, no, this is all actually happening. Right. It's like, no, nah, this got to be a troll. Where's the Babylon Bee? It's crazy. It's like this isn't something you think that would happen like th- like in the 21st century. It's like something that would happen in like 1940s. Like right. oh, it's happening now. Yeah, yeah. It's just complete. I wouldn't say anarchy because it's definitely not anarchy. There's very clear police presence. But it, yeah, it's just dystopian down there. What they're doing, just completely arbitrary rules. Is is are, are things like that where you uh, imagine could happen like here if like people keep pushing for like COVID responses? Is that what you think could happen here? I mean, <clears throat> it would take a lot. Like I, I don't think it. They would do it over just a simple thing. But I do think people are pretty sick and tired of all the COVID policies. Like just how it is now, people are frustrated and visibly so. But if they start doing things like down in Australia, they start mandating vaccines to go into businesses or to travel, just have complete statewide lockdowns all over again. I don't see how that's going to go over publicly well because people are just tired of it. Like they're going up to meetings and boardrooms. They're just they're sick and tired of all these restrictions. And they're not even that strict anymore. Like I live down here in Florida and it's not even it's probably one of the least strict states of all. And people out here are very vocally tired of all the vaccines, I can't even imagine what they would be doing if tomorrow they, the state and the federal government announced that the whole state of Florida would be locked down for the next three months. Yeah, I think if policies like that happen here, it would have to be either on the state and local level, because like if they tried to do it nationwide, it wouldn't work. No, nah, it wouldn't maybe, work. Maybe in like really densely populated areas with like liberal governors it, or, or liberal mayors, it could probably happen. Mm-hmm. So I know, like uh, across the country, like the um the degree of COVID policy like varies a lot. Like some places are very strict, some are very lenient. Yeah, but it have, is, like is the mask mandate still? And it's like uh, you have to have vaccines to get into stadiums. I'm sure you heard that whole story with that one oh, yeah. athlete who couldn't play for his team anymore because he refused to get the vaccine. Yeah, I remember he that. A, a religious waiver, but they wouldn't give it to him for some reason. Like I think yeah. I think he's a Christian and he wanted to get a waiver for that, but they didn't give it to him. So he can't play any he can't play any home games or anything. So the team's trying to get rid of him now. Wow, that's rough. No, yeah, I know they, that they could probably and maybe in like really densely populated areas bring these policies here because I think people would be more accepting of them. Like it maybe in a more rural area, it, it, there's no way they'd get these passed. Like there'd probably be like a resistance. No, yeah, even, for, think... even for the mask mandate, there was a resistance. People weren't wearing them. People, do yeah. I know in some places people were getting like arrested for not wearing them. Wow. Yeah, there was, like, resistance, heavy resistance to it in some places. Yeah, I know that uh, there's some, uh, pretty much what you were saying, that it's pretty much the the densely urban areas that would be more accepting of those policies. 
Because really, you can't really enforce stuff like that in a rural area. Like, you just can't. Like, they have very small police departments. you got to really rely on the people doing what the law tells them to do. And for a situation like this, I just... People are tired of it, especially out in rural countries where they just have been affected the least COVID-wise. They've been affected more by the lockdown policies and COVID itself. They're they're done with this. So it's, it's crazy to think about because there's like thirty-eight thousand different um, law enforcement agencies in the country. It's like some counties they just have like their sheriff and that's it. <laughs> right. And then you have other areas where there's like thousands of like, um, officers. It's crazy. Right. So if it were to come to if that those type of policies were to come to the U.S., it would definitely be the urban areas specifically places like new york oh yeah we're, i think we'd, we'd be the first ones to get it oh they'd be the first ones there's to get like it. there was like a strong um there's like a strong reliance on like um, government policy and uh yeah and they have um, the law enforcement community to actually enforce a rule like oh yeah I, I think we have the largest metropolitan um police force in the country i think it might even be the world at this point they yeah, probably no, in the world. <laughs> it's definitely first in the country. I know that for a fact, but probably even the world. I think there's like 40,000 uniformed officers and then like 7,000 civilian staff. So it's pretty big. No, yeah. it's If anyone in the U.S. would ever implement policy, it'd be New York without a doubt first. Yeah, they have, they have the, um, the, the aid, the, uh, the manpower the man- to enforce it too. And they have the, I hate to say it, but they have a population that's more willing to accept it than a place like oh, yeah, definitely. Springfield. Or Atlanta, where it's a little more mixed. I think, what do you, you think? The, uh, Biden's vax. I think it was a oh not Biden's vaccine mandate. The um, New York State mandate for uh, vaccinated workers got upheld by the Supreme Court. I didn't. Well, well, well for like state workers or like med- medical employees. Or? It was a the state mandate that, um, for vaccine for um, health workers to get the vaccine. They got upheld. Wow. Yeah. You see, that's what I get. Like the courts, they go back and forth on this stuff. Like, one week, it's, like, no mandate. The next week, it's yes mandate. And then the next week after that is no mandate. So I think really right now, something that the judicial system, just the entire branch has to get on the same page is basically what are, we, what are they going to say about mandates? Because you can't have this flip-flopping back and forth one week to the next. I think I think there's another case for Biden's um, national mandate is also going through. So let's see what he has to say about that. We'll see what the states have the power to make their own mandates. Yeah, I, oh, I hope Biden's mandate gets struck down. That is blatantly unconstitutional. Oh yeah, of course. But I like they say nowadays, constitutional is just a recommendation. Yeah, the crazy thing is, like I remember when Gorsuch and um, what's his name, Kavanaugh were, were being appointed to the court, and mm-hmm. even Barry, people were freaking out. Like a lot of people on the left, you probably saw on Twitter and stuff, they were freaking out about how conservative they are. Yeah, like oh, they're gonna overturn Roe, they're gonna overturn this and that. <laughs> and they get on the bench, and they're not even as conservative as people thought. Right. Like, you remember that that one case about transgender workers? Um, I forgot. What yeah, it was I remember called. that one. Gorsuch voted in, with the liberals on that one. <laughs> 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 so he, they're nowhere near as, as conservative as, he, as people thought. So like, you, you you can't really tell where they're gonna um, vote. Right. They, they, they uh, can come out yeah. tomorrow with a decision saying that uh I don't know that uh straight marriage is illegal now. <laughs> Because like, we, we don't know where they're going to vote. We can't predict. Uh, that's, yeah. I don't know. For me, the Supreme Court seems to have just a little too much power. Like just nine people determining such vast things in policy and re- even culture and social. It's just really unbelievable how much power nine people hold. 
Yeah, I, I agree. That's why I wanna, when people were talking about um, Roe and all these other cases, I think the problem is Congress was way too slow to act on the issue, so people were going through the courts to get the reliefs. Because, yeah. like, I think, like, these, all of these issues that the court settled on, like, they're actually issues. Like, they had to be settled, like, some way, and, like, Congress yeah. didn't act on it. Like, they went to another branch that would. Right. But, like, I, I think we all agree that it would be a lot better for, the, like, the elected representatives to act on it than the court. But because Congress was either too slow or refused to act at all, we had to go to the courts to get it done. Right. Like, I think it's a problem with the structure of Congress in its entirety. But, like, one interesting thing I didn't know is, like, did you know that 80% of the average congressman's budget is dedicated to, like, um, constituent services? Really? Yeah, it's, like, it's not even legislation. Like, it's all, like, people calling their congressman trying to get them to, like, um, intervene on their behalf and, like, federal agencies and stuff. Like, wow. it's not, it has nothing to do with legislation. That's insane. I didn't even, I know I didn't know that. It's crazy. The structure it's completely broken. They're, they're they're not even there to like legislate. They just defer all that stuff to independent agencies and stuff. Yeah, that yeah, honestly that's the biggest tragedy of Congress. They just they just gave away all their powers to federal agencies. Yeah, this is I don't know if you remember that one case in um WTP I tried to do where I tried to get all of the independent agencies declared unconstitutional. And my reasoning <laughs> was like they're exercising <laughs> legislative power but they're executive agencies and like this is an unconstitutional delegation and like that wasn't even a joke i actually think that this is like an actual thing oh like, yeah you the case could very easily be made uh, yeah i probably wouldn't be over because like it's it's congress telling other agencies to exercise the power that was delegated to them right like, it'd be like if the president like just said oh congress here you you enforce this law for me yeah, like, it's ridiculous. Like this is completely contrary to the structure of the Constitution and the way the government is supposed to function. Right, but here we are, and it's apparently our generation's turn to fix it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt that. Ah <laughs> oh, man, there's just so many broken cogs in the machine of the U.S. Constitution. It, it it's hard to see how it could all still be saved. I think if it were to be fixed, the one thing that we'd really have to do is, like, we'd have to, like, rely less and less on the centralized government and get things more settled at the local governments. Oh, yeah. Like, if you look at the, if you look at the um, COVID epidemic, especially, like, the policies varied a lot by country. And I know a lot of people in the rural areas were more um, against them and a lot of people in the more urban areas were for them. And that's how it should be. Like, you don't have one national policy for the whole country when you have a lot of different areas that have um, different needs. Oh, yeah. And the founders, they knew that. That's exactly why they made the government the way it is. Yeah, and I think Biden's federal mandate is, like, that's that's a problem because, like, more rural areas, they might not need it, and they might not also believe in it. But, yeah. like, the rural areas, they 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 are obviously with more densely packed people in an area, they, they're, um, they're going to need it more, and those people might want it, so mm -hmm. it should be up to the more local areas to determine what they need. Oh, yeah. It's just this cramming down of the one-size-fits-all mentality which it just doesn't work especially when it comes to policies and the way that the government interacts with its people it's just it just doesn't work you can't govern some town in the middle of nebraska the same way you would govern the same chicago yeah that's you, funny. You, you just can't do that it ain't gonna work <laughs> yeah it's funny you, do you know the guy that my rep is on the, like the um the house forestry council like there is no forest in our district why is he on the forestry council <laughs> he should Maybe be on like, like there's like some urban planning uh, committee he should be on that right you know yeah 
another problem. They, I can just go on and on about the days that today's Congress and how it works. But there's just so much we can do an entire hour episode of what's wrong. With oh Congress. yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I think we found our next episode. I've got I got a lot of complaints about them. <laughs> Ooh, okay, all right. Well, let's save that for the next one. And let's see. We got, what about we got inflation? inflation? Yeah. Yeah. How's that inflation hitting you up there? Man, it is, it's crazy. Why is that? <laughs> Man, the gas prices are soaring. Yeah. I know down here it's like a three three thirty to get a gallon of gas. That's double what it's been in like that was double the amount that it was in January. Yeah, I saw people saying that um apparently that uh this is normal for when like a new president takes over that inf- mild inflation happens, but I have no <laughs> idea if that's true or not. Well, like, I remember true, when Trump took office, and I don't, I don't remember inflation being this bad. No, it was no, it was years ago. No, I, I last I saw it was uh, the highest jump in inflation in thirty years. And I don't know about you, but we've had more presidents in the last thirty years than just Biden. Uh, well, Trump is the only one I can remember. Yeah, uh, when Obama came in, yeah, I was in middle school. Nah, that doesn't count for me. I was in middle school. It might have jumped, and I wouldn't even notice. But now I've never seen. The thing I know is, for, we're 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 only we're, we're coming up on the first um, anniversary of his term. So, do you think that this is Biden's fault, or do you think it's more Trump's fault, or is it a combination of, of them both? Definitely a combination of both, because starting with the supply chain crisis, that has been a long time coming. But it's also policies implemented in the state of California that made it worse, as well as just a number of different policies that Biden and implemented across the country, which made a bad but manageable problem into the problem we have today, where it's just so big and it's so widespread across the country that nobody really knows what to do. And even the Fed, they're just, honestly, in the Fed, they're probably just sitting there with their, twiddling their thumbs, hoping and praying nothing happens, because really the only thing they can do is just sit and wait, because there's nothing really they can do at this point, besides manipulating their cur- the currency, but like, that's a that's a risky game to play there. Yeah, I was I saw on the Twitter and um, Instagram and all that, but like there were people who were saying, "Oh, this is clearly Trump's fault," and like people were saying, "Oh, this is clearly Biden's fault." And it's like, well, Biden's only one year into his term, so like he, he's definitely had like he's the president, so like this is obviously he's at fault for like mm-hmm. some of it. But like only being a year into your term, I don't know if you could do that much damage to where like any disaster oh, yeah. is like entirely your own fault. Like this has to be like a result of like policy set by previous administrations. Oh, yeah. maybe even Obama, because it's like you know it's only been eight years since he left. So, oh could, yeah, no, he I could definitely, he could definitely have an effect on what's going on today. Oh yeah, no, definitely Obama, Trump. I, I'd even say even Bush. Throw him in the ring too. It I'm sure be. all these problems that we're facing now they've been a long time coming. Like Afghanistan. Yeah, <laughs> that's like I yeah. think Biden completely fumbled the um the withdrawal. Oh, yeah. He didn't start the war. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but he went out in the most embarrassing way possible. Oh yeah, definitely. He made the Soviet withdrawal of Afghanistan look yeah. like a coordinated masterpiece. Honestly, the way I see it, Biden was handed the easiest presidency ever. He literally just had to sit there and not do anything. Like he managed to screw up basically everything he's touched. I honestly, for the life of me, can't think of a single policy success that this man has had. Like, like I remember when I was reading the evacuation, I was like, maybe something, maybe there was something we didn't know, because like it seemed like he was doing the opposite of what like what common sense dictates. Like, 
yeah he he, he withdrew the troops before evacuating civilians like why would you do that right like if you like the average person will like withdraw all of the people in need first and then take the troops out right. it's like maybe maybe there was something we didn't know but, like other than that i don't know how you could possibly justify this really stupid decision like yeah it makes no sense and it just goes back into the russian ukrainian conflict it's like the russia they, they smell blood in the water they they know this guy won't do anything the last thing biden needs is to start a war like that Oh, That's yeah, definitely. the last thing this man needs, and Putin knows that. It's China definitely not politically tenable to, like, start another conflict. Oh, absolutely not. Unless there's, like, something directly happened to the U.S. Unless something directly happens to the U.S. We are attacked directly, Pearl Harbor, 9-11 stuff. Public's not going to go with it. I, they, they might do an there's... operation Northwoods. <laughs> they might. They're going to, like... Execute some random American, like, oh, look at the look at the Russians did invade Ukraine. <laughs> Honestly, that's the only way I can see it. Like, like, I don't think anybody cares about it. That's the thing, too. Yeah, no one really cares about Ukraine. Like, yeah, people are like, oh, we're sorry that happened to us, but why am I going to let my son go over there to fight a war that we have nothing to gain from? Oh, yeah, we gain absolutely nothing from doing it. Because another thing that we have to keep in mind is Russia of today is not the Russia of 30 years ago. It's not the USSR. Russia is, while it is, it has plenty of its own problems, it's better than a lot of other countries at the same time. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. It's not like North Korea invading South Korea. Like, if that happens, that's, that's a completely different ball. Game. That's just brutal, Stalinistic communism being invaded into a capitalistic free society. That, that's different. But Russia is not that Stalinistic regime that Americans were grown up to believing it was. And the interesting thing about it, like, people were saying, like, oh, look how long Putin has been in office. But, like, if you look at other European countries, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Like Angela Merkel, she was, she was Chancellor of Germany for, like, 20 years. Right. This just seems pretty normal for European countries to just have leaders in office for a long time. Right. Granted, for me, I, would, I like how we have the two-term limit for our presidents. But, you know, to each their own. Every country has the government it deserves. And I, right now, Russia has the government it deserves. And I, we're gonna... I think I honestly think that the Democrats were exploiting, like, making Russia out of a, a political enemy just for political purposes. Oh, one hundred. Oh, look at this! Look at this! Uh, big strong enemy we need to defeat, and the Republicans are being weak on it. Right. Honestly, we should honestly be making allies out of them instead of enemies. Well, I do know that's probably Russia's long-term international policies objective, because the way it's looking, all the major powers. They all have something against Russia, except for the United States. They're the only great power that doesn't have conflicting goals and interest directly. Like right, right now, the U.S. is only at odds with Russia because of the EU. Because right, uh, if the EU was not involved, if the U.S. did not give a flying crap about the EU, the U.S. would have really have no reason to be in Ukraine. Like why? Did, why? Why does the U.S. care about what happens in Ukraine? Really, it's just to the strong sense of unity among the eu nato alliance if that was taken out of the equation i don't i i can't see why the u.s would be giving russia a hard time over ukraine i i really don't i think it'd be in our interest to work with them i like, think so. like, like we were talking about before china's really the main threat now so like having right. russia on our side would probably tip it in like in really in our favor it would and right now russia and china they're in like this quasi alliance where there's no alliance but they're on friendly terms and this and that russia knows that within a few decades they will be a disposable 
power to China, and they know that. Right now, trying to get a sense of where where's Russia going? Oh, yeah, they definitely. Can't rely on China, because China, in a few decades, they will throw Russia to the wolves and not give a damn. China, they, China, they're really setting themselves up for success right now, because like they're they like, really are. They're, they're investing in Africa and all these other countries. They're like they're kind of doing what we're doing. They're expanding their like global reach. Yeah, I know they have this new base either just opened up or is about to open up down in the tutorial Guiana or something like that. On oh, yeah, the wow, yeah, definitely. And that would be their first military base to refuel and refit all their warships on the Atlantic Ocean. That's big news for the U.S. That's like a big red flag. Well, I think, I, honestly, I think we, we would need to start being concerned if they start, started um, a naval buildup because their navy is currently garbage and ours is way better. Oh yeah, right now they're gonna have a build up this time to, to sound off the alarms. Yeah, right now their navy, with all the might and the glory that they've been pumping into those numbers, they're it is primarily defense. They, they they can't do an offensive operation outside of maybe Taiwan, and that's a big maybe. It's interesting because like we're we're totally there backing Taiwan up. Yeah, um, that's a good topic for another day too. <laughs> do you think China's got the guts to take on Taiwan? I think it's I think it's fifty fifty. Yeah, right now it's fifty fifty because well, the like, U.S. On, is... on one hand, they they could easily take over the island, but like on the other hand, they would have to like either. I don't think they could confront us militarily. Yeah, but like they might be able to force us to to back down through economic threats because like we're kind of really reliant on their economy right now. Yeah, and no offense, but don't see this president taking a big risk like that. Oh yeah. I think, I don't know if you remember that uh thing that came up, but he, I think he said he said something like, "Oh, we would, we were going to back up Taiwan if China invades." And then the next day, his press secretary came out and was like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to do that. It was just a gap <laughs> or something." So who knows where Biden is on this? <laughs> I don't even think he knows. If he did know, he probably forgot. True. Oh man, yeah. The thing, the thing that's really working in China's favor. That there's no NATO equivalency in the Pacific. NATO really contained Russia back when it was the USSR. They did a oh, good yeah. job containing Russia, at least in Europe. In Europe, they did that. The Pacific doesn't have anything like that. The closest they got is the alliance between the US, Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan, and Australia, India. There's no like formal, there's no formality to it. It's more of just like, we'll back you up because we say we will type of thing. Honestly, the, the Cold War in Europe was kind of stacked. Like, we had the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, and, like, on, on the, um, the communist side, you just had Russia and, like, what, Belarus? Like, that's nothing. <laughs> like, it was stacked well, in our favor, but, like, in, in China and um, Asia, it's kind of like, we're there, but, like, there's no other heavy hitters in the region. Yeah. There's Japan, but, like, they can't really do anything unless China attacks them directly. Right. No, oh, India and China, they've been, they've been button heads a lot lately. Oh, yeah, I forgot about India, the, ne the next superpower. Yeah, the one right after China. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're... I, I, India is a mixed bag, because, like, I think they, they have the numbers and they have the potential, but, like, man, it, they got, there's a lot of internal issues. Yeah. The thing about India is they heavily focus on the their land military and air force, the expense of their navy, because they don't really have naval enemies across the water. Like, their biggest adversary... China and they know that and they've been heavily putting their ground and forces. Oh yeah, definitely. 
if I was the, if I was the Indian I, um the Indian leader, I'd be putting like all of our uh, money into like the land forces on the border between India and China, right? Like, waiting for the invasion. Yeah, this is it's a crazy world out there, bro. <laughs> like something I didn't something I didn't know. I watched a video on it. China actually did invade India back when Mao was leader. I think it was in like the fifties or the sixties, and they they won. So I, I had I did not know that. It was an interesting no, yeah. fact. Um, yeah, no, it's have had an interesting past and both sides very much clearly remember it. They're I don't know if they're looking to settle old scores but they're not going to shy away from the opportunity if the other presents it for them. I don't think we have an alliance with India, right? Or at least not a military one. Uh, we're not allies with them, but we're, it's nothing concrete. There's no mutual defense alliance that I know of with India where it's China invades, we'll come to India's aid. It's not like us in South Korea or Japan. Right. No, no, no. Nothing like that with India. But we are, for the most part, on the same footing with China and Pakistan. I think, I, I don't know if you heard about our, our Japanese Montgomery server, but we were talking about how we would deal with the Chinese issue. And, like, our, I think what we would have to do is we would have to organize, like, a coalition of Asian countries like we did in Europe. Like, right. all be on the same page of, like, resisting China's influence. Like, you have right. to get India, Japan, South Korea, all of them work, to working together. Honestly, that's the only way to combat China at this point because it's that's just it's just too big to be taken on by one power. Yeah, honestly, if if they all work together, you could probably do it without violence. You could probably like get it done um, economically. Right. If they all work together to resist like China's influence, you could probably get like do damage to their economy to the point that they'd have to stand down. Right, and pray that they care enough about their people to actually stand down. Oh yeah, definitely. Because there are some countries, and honestly, I'm not sure if China would fall under this category where they were very willing to sacrifice the happiness and well-being of their people for whatever the government has in mind. Yeah, North Korea. (laughs) (laughs) At North Korea. But China has changed a lot in the last few decades, so I'm not sure if they would fall into that category right now or not. While they have made some progress to listen to their people, I don't know if it's to the same degree as westernized countries or even countries like japan where they listen to their people to the most extreme degree i think the party's still in charge of there yeah that's the thing like we it all depends on the resolve and the willpower of the ccp if they're willing yeah. to lose public face in order to win a conflict that milit then the economic actions they might not have the same power as they would say a country like russia I think I think what's interesting about like all of these communist countries like the USSR, Cuba, and China, like the thing, the interesting thing about them is like they could never win any election. They have to, they always have to rule by the um, one party in um, in force because they would never right. win the elections. <laughs> it's like right. the, the party has to like be in charge by default. Like no one can vote, would vote for them. Now there's the perceived sense of choice, but at the end of the choice, there's the CCP or it's in the concentration camps. I mean the education centers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to educate the Muslims, right? You know, gotta gotta teach them the right way, Chinese way, honest way, if anything. Oh man, but yeah, this was this was all good, but I do think we gotta wrap it up though. We're getting oh, closer yeah. to our mark. Um. Well, any final words until next time? This China. This China. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this, China? That's a good one. Uh, words for me, uh, blow all your money in gas. It'll probably get more expensive next week. Don't worry.
All right. Well, that's all I've got. Unless you want to add anything else. No, I'm good. All right. Well, we'll see you. I'll see you next time then. All right.